Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of the podcast. Matty D and I cover the wild opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. We give our thoughts on who made the Sweet 16. We give our picks for both Thursday and Friday's action before projecting who we think is going to make the Final Four. We're probably going to be dead wrong, so this is going to be a fun one to listen to. We also... Do a quick beer corner, a little hockey talk, and a little golf talk. But as always, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, The Bullpen Cart on iTunes. ThunderBLG is our handle on Twitter. Thunderblog Sports, of course, is where you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. ThunderBlogSports.com is where you can find all of our great blogs. Be sure to keep an eye out for the rest of our MLB Divisional Preview podcast. We do have two out already, the AL East and the NL West, but keep an eye out for the rest of the divisions. But as always, enjoy this week's episode. Thanks again. And we are live. Welcome to this Sweet 16 preview of the Thunderblog Hoops and Maybe hockey hour. I say that because we're going to talk all college basketball. And if there's time, some hockey. I, of course, though, am the G-Man with me, as always, is my man, Matty D. How are you? I am, well, after this past weekend, I, I'm. it's like a void now. I was at work today, and I couldn't turn basketball on in the middle of the day. After Thursday and Friday, I, I need it back. It needs to be every day of the week right now. I know, I, I, right? And after the weekend, I mean, with with the buzzer beaters and everything, I I simply can't wait for the Sweet 16. It's going to be incredible. I'm blown away. That was a great weekend of college basketball. It was incredible. And if you missed any of it, I feel sorry for you. I mean, it's hard not to at this time of the year between all the guys or girls in your office that, you know, Oh, I almost picked them, but I didn't. Oh, it was was close (laughs) to picking Loyola. You know. I mean, it's hard to not miss it. I have one buddy who comes into work on Thursday and we're trying our boss immediately addresses it like, "All right, guys, let's not let's be productive. Let's get you can put the games on." And one guy yells out, "Can we put on the Arnold Palmer?" <laughs> like everybody looks at him like, "What the fuck?" He's like, no, "I hate basketball." Like, absolutely not. Yeah, you're you're barking up the wrong tree, buddy. Right. <laughs> streaming on streaming on a computer like everyone else does. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I um, I mean, I I just I wanted to just set the stage because I thought I thought this was maybe the best weekend of college basketball that I can remember in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, because you, you start off the weekend, but you ever gets their bracket set, and you start off the weekend with probably the best buzzer beater on thir- on on um on Thursday was probably Loyola Chicago over Miami early. That was the first yep. one of the tournament, right? Yep. Am I right? It and was. I mean, I mean that was that was an amazing amazing buzzer beater there um you're thinking wow like there's the upset you know that we're thinking about like there's the one that's coming and then of course umbc yep and it wasn't they didn't win they they thoroughly dominated virginia yep to the extent where like at the end of the game i, I honestly i felt bad for virginia i did i, I felt bad yeah. for them I, they, um, were, they were 20 and a half point favorites and they lost by 20 points right they just got I was shocked, to be honest with you. Um, no. Shocked. I thought, I thought it was one of the best. I mean, it's not even like it's hard to even. 
I know it's the biggest, arguably the biggest upset of all time in college basketball, but you almost can't label it that because they didn't win in a buzzer beater or like a last second shot or a great, they just thoroughly beat a team that had two losses on the season. And anybody that tells you that, that Virginia shouldn't have been number one is not, they're just wrong because Virginia, Virginia is an incredibly talented team and they've put up 90 points and they put up 80 points in the season. They've beaten really quality teams. So I know they're not an offensive powerhouse, but they can't. They can score. So UMBC just blew me out of the water, and they never let Virginia get back in the game. And I thought that was one of the biggest upsets I've seen in quite a while. But the thing was that wasn't even a big upset. There, there were so many other upsets. If you go down the bracket, UMBC won. Buffalo beat Arizona pretty handily in their second half run. Loyola oh. Chicago took care of business. Um, let me think. Um, no, no, no. Are we just starting with the first round games? Yeah, I was just running through the like the West. West yeah. didn't have a lot of upsets, but um, Marshall, Marshall beating Wichita shocked me. Uh, right, my Stony Brook pick didn't work out for me. I'm very bummed, very bummed about that. You know, I picked Arkansas over Butler, and then I even mm-hmm. picked Arkansas to beat Purdue because I'm not a Purdue fan this year. But Butler, why? How do you? Can't, I don't care who their coach is. You can't pick against the Bulldogs. They're just, yeah. they're just I did the opposite. I did Butler, Butler, Butler over Arkansas, Butler over Purdue. Right. Uh, and got close. I got yeah. close. Well, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I stare at my bracket. I actually have three. My I have three Final Four teams left still. Do you? Even after the carnage. Yeah. I, okay, so I took Michigan, Duke, Nova, and I took Arizona. Arizona obviously didn't help me at all. Yep. But I have nobody left in the South bracket. I don't either because I picked Tennessee <laughs> to beat uh, Arizona in the Elite Eight. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee losing. Doing? What were they doing? I yeah, I was really, fu- I was really upset about that game. Right. Um, then I had, I had Auburn, and I hated the pick. I knew it was terrible. Oh no, they got yeah. hammered, and they got oh. throttled. Right. The best though was um, just on Auburn, but it's still within the Midwest. Charles Barkley picked Michigan State to go all the way and win the tournament. And if you were watching the in-studio stuff, they made him go and X out every single wrong MSU and any other pick. But the MSU one was the best because at first he like was missing some. Right. And they kept being like, oh, no, Chuck, you missed one. You got to go back. You got to go back, Chuck. You got to go. <laughs> like, it's too right. funny. Um but yeah, my I I do have Michigan and I have Nova, and that's actually my finals. So me I at too. least have oh, both. Oh great, me too. Who'd you have winning? I have Nova winning. We have the same finals, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I think I don't I, even know where you are in relation to me on the the Thunderball group, but I, I'll almost bring it up like here in a second. To, we have destiny bonded to uh, go whatever, wherever we are currently. Even though you have three Final Fours left, so you, you can you right. can definitely still win. Right. And by the way, we didn't even talk about some of the some of the buzzer beater and comebacks. I mean, Michigan's buzzer beater. I was running around the basement. I mean, it was Michigan's incredible. buzzer beater was incredible. Oh my god, what a shot! What a shot! And then the comes the comebacks uh, by Nevada. Nevada back. Um, I almost went to bed with Florida State, and they they powered through last night against yep. um, against Xavier to beat a really good team. Texas A and M. There's some lower quote unquote lower seeds who have so much talent. That you, you're very impressed with what they what they have to offer. Yeah, um, and I think I mean so I'm if, if I'm a team I don't I don't want to play I don't want to play um, Texas Tech. I know they're a three seed, but I think Purdue's going to have more than their hands full with Texas Tech. I yeah, think I agree. A and M has arguably as much talent as anybody in the country. Um, 
I'm nervous for Nova because I think they're bracket. I was about to say, West Virginia looked really good right. in the first two rounds. Now, the positive is that they get all week to prepare. I think yeah. West Virginia on the second day is really difficult. Um, there's a reason that they're a, a fifth seed, and I think Nova is without a doubt the best team in the tournament because I'm, their weakness is if they don't hit shots. Yeah. But what they showed against Alabama is if they just – if they, they simply – Normally, I was at, at halftime. I was like, "They got to go inside," and I'm pretty sure Jay Wright was just like, "Keep shooting, boys," and they did because yeah. they've got guys. They're like Golden State. They they got five shooters on the floor at most of the time, and they arguably have the two. They you could argue they have the two best players left in the tournament, and Jalen Brunson and Mikael Bridges. I mean, you could argue that. I know that there's some good players out there, but I mean, boy, they are. I was I walked away from the TV at just to take a phone call at halftime. And I came back to them being up by 20 points. I was like, what? <laughs> it was unreal. It was yeah. a crazy game to watch. It was the first one of the day. And they did the weird scare, not weird, but it, it was strategically done. So you were at the bar Saturday night, but it was just Nova Alabama. So you couldn't change it to anything else. You had to wait. You even had to wait like an extra half an hour for the Duke game to come on right. afterwards. So yeah. you're like, you're just watching Bama get pummeled and you can't even turn it away yeah, yeah. if you want to. And they just they just drop guys in their lineup. Like we, we think of Brunson and Bridges, but um DiFrancenzo, DiFrancenzo is incredibly talented and he basically kept them uh, uh, treading water in the first half. Phil Booth comes into the game. They've got Pascal and um and Spellman who can shoot the three. I mean, they're just they're just gonna Gillespie, Gillespie plays great perimeter defense. They're just gonna they they have a better bigs than you realize, and and they're very they're very new age with their three point shooting. Like that's mm-hmm. what they're gonna do. They're gonna shoot 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 shoot. Now they smoked Radford as you expected, and they blitzed Alabama. Yeah. West Virginia is better than Alabama, yes. so they they're gonna and, and then even if they beat West Virginia. They're either going to play a slightly subdued Purdue team without Isaac Haas or a really, I think, a really difficult Texas Tech team that's big, long, and and they can move. So they've got an All-American in Keenan Evans who's back from his injury. So I think they have the hardest road out of their bracket, even with all the upsets going on. I think they kind of got they kind of got screwed in terms of who they have left. Mm-hmm. Like that's what concerns me because everywhere else you have an opportunity to play a lower seed. Once again, I think most of the teams left are quality, but I still think they have the hardest road to me. Maybe you feel differently. No, I would agree with that. I mean, just by pure seeding alone, the only argument I, I make, like you, you have to look at, I guess just a lower seed coming out of it. Like I'd argue Michigan has a tough, has a semi tough road just of how well, Texas A&M played and how well Florida State looked against Xavier, which right. by the and, way, you... don't sleep on Gonzaga. Yeah, no, 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 that's exactly what I was going to say. Is Gonzaga arguably could have been a three seed, so it's that that assuming that's what the Elite Eight matchup is, Michigan Gonzaga, that's mm-hmm. going to be very, very exciting to watch. Right, right, I, I, right, I agree there. I think, I think Michigan is they they didn't really play. A, Houston's a good team. The yeah. thing is, there's a lot of parity. We talked about this b- before, but there's a lot of parity. I, I think Houston outplayed them for most of the game. Yeah. Now, the positive is, I'm not sure Michigan's played to their potential yet. So if you're if you're John Beeline, like you you they this this is a team that ran the Big Ten tournament because of their ability to spread the floor and hit the three, similar to Villanova, which is one of the reasons why I like Michigan a lot this year. So. If they if they have not had a dominant effort, which I think is due to the layoff 
Okay. But now they've kind of had that. They've kind of had two big games in a row. I know they I know they beat Montana, but but this Houston game really opens their eyes. Like you better come to play against Texas A and M because oh. boy, they they run some guys out on the floor that are are more than impressive. Now, um, you want to talk about embarrassments? That Texas A and M UNC game. Oh my god! They dismantled the Tar Heels. Right. They 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 it was. I was like, what is going on? Robert Williams is a monster, and he's going to give Mortz Wagner and that whole big side for te- for Michigan a problem because he yep. is he was blocking shots. I wasn't even sure what was going on. Yeah. I mean, uh, the hands are definitely full um, in that regard. I think, like, like, let me ask you this question then: of the four of the three four brackets, which bracket is now? Con- what would you consider the weakest of the four brackets? Yeah, I was going to ask you the same question. So, uh, wait a Wait, wait to lead, wanna, wait to lead it, but uh, thunder. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's it's good. We're on the same wavelength. Um, I'm gonna say the South just because of seating, but you could make an argument for the Midwest. You could. Yeah, I'm with you there. I I think you're I think you're spot on with the South. Yeah, because as good as Loyola Chicago has played, Nevada, Kansas State, and Kentucky. Well, Kansas State. I didn't think Kansas State played that well against UMBC. I just think UMBC ran out of the magic a little bit. Yeah. Um, I could see any of anybody but Kansas State. I can see coming out of there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I was going to say it's more Kentucky's to lose. I would uh, agree. But you could see Nevada put on some magic. You could see Loyola Chicago. Just yeah, continue I definitely it. think Kentucky. I mean, if you're looking up, I'm with you. The, the Midwest is kind of interesting because I Kansas almost should have lost to to Seton Hall. Yeah, and I think they're. They they're basically four they're they're noving it they're four guards and one big yeah so if you get his if you get what's his name in trouble that big that guy's name who's excellent and I don't know what Clemson did but you don't beat a you don't beat a four seed by thirty points yeah and not be a good team exactly now, I, I do think that maybe after a while Auburn was just like damn it <laughs> yeah um I by the way the Duke Syracuse mashup is so juicy it is. But I, I would agree that I think Sarah, I think Duke, oh, and they've been saying this for a while, if Duke plays to its talent level, they're the best team in the country. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I, just think, I mean, even Greg, who's the biggest Syracuse homer I know, uh, he even was shocked by all of this. Um, right. So I think you could argue, I mean, obviously they're one of the higher seeds left, but you could make, you know, they bring that down. Kansas, like you said, is a little shaky. Clemson, I mean, they could, they could, continue this run um but uh, they're, they're also sh- shaky and then it could just be dukes to lose you know i'm with you there i think between grayson allen and marvin bagley yeah. i i just think there's uh, there's so much talent on that duke team um that i think it's going to cause problems for anybody in that bracket and moving forward like i think there are bagley makes everybody difficult because of his ability um the only thing with Duke is they haven't really been tested yet. And I like a team like Michigan who has had a, a tight game early where they had to win. I think that really helps a team kind of get back in the mindset of like, hey, this is not just a, a, a walkthrough. Okay. So I'm a big fan of teams that have had a little bit of a scrap before they get to a big game because like Nova, even Nova first half was tough and to really buckle down and like get through a grind out of first half to stay. They were up, but they had to stay up enough to beat a Clemson. I mean, to beat a, um, uh, Alabama. 
Mm-hmm. So I I like a team that gets challenged early because I think after that they kind of lock into that m- mode of like, hey, look, every every possession counts. My concern with Duke is they're going to waltz into a Syracuse game, which against a John Beal, I mean, against a um, Jim Beheim team, you should never do, and they could struggle a little bit. Um, Syracuse just has that we're the last team in, everyone bashes us kind of thing going on for them too. You combine that with their zone and their coach, like I think that's. I, I think they're a danger. I wouldn't want to be playing Syracuse if I was Duke. <laughs> yeah, so just to give everybody kind of a perspective too, because I'm sure like my head, like I like I did, I thought they're both in the same conference. They obviously played each other. Looking at this game, it was back in, I don't know the date, but late in the season, they had five games left to go. It was at Cameron, so take that for what it, for what you will. Duke won 60 to 44. They shot 41%. Syracuse shot 31%. So a really ugly game. A lot of turnovers forced by Duke. Syracuse turned it over 17 times. Uh, and it looks like that both teams stopped scoring with uh looks like a couple minutes left. So it was a really ugly game on both accounts. So depending on what come, you know, which team we get, if the if the zone looks like it does did against Michigan State and Duke comes out slow. You could see a Syracuse lead going into halftime as hot of a take as it might be. But if Duke has it going and, and Syracuse is and it comes out a little slow, it, it could get ugly quick. I'm with you there. I um, think the one thing with Syracuse, Syracuse is actually the biggest, the biggest team in the tournament. So from from one through five, they're they're the and they average the highest height. Okay. And I think and with it with with Bam's two three zone. I think that's a very difficult. So to me, this is where it's going to come up to. And I think Marvin Bagley plays even a bigger role here because he's he's playing center for them, but he's projected to be a small forward in the NBA. Interesting. So the hope is that his mid range. He's going to play a lot of high posts to me. So the hope is that his mid range game, if if it functions, you have to have a great like high paint high post player, like foul line player to beat that zone. Because mm-hmm. because they're going to give up that middle area to you a little bit, okay. So so to me, that's where if he can dominate that middle region, and and you got to have a point guard, you got to have an offense that's patient against their zone. That's that's where they get beat. An offense that waits for the right opportunity, it doesn't force it. That's how you yeah. beat the zone. Duke has the ability to be that, but they've been frustrating all year. So we'll see if they have the the patience against that mm-hmm. zone. But I do think they might be able to shut down Syracuse because they've got length. Duke does that. That Syracuse yeah. hasn't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that. That's why I think so. That so they that whole side of the bracket plays first. No, they're no, second. No, second. 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 Yeah, they're second. Right. Second. So the first. Now, of course, there's no day games. Everything's gonna be packed in now. Seven o'clock. Seven o seven. Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada tip off on Thursday. Yep. Right. Man, these games. Are Very so intriguing good. matchup, I think. Oh, I, I, I'm with you too. First of all, I don't think like people probably haven't watched any of their games all year. No. Isn't that amazing? Right. Like, how many of the games? Nevada's opening up at a one and a half point favorite. So Hell I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, so for the first set of games, I'll start and I'll ask you who do you like? Loyola, Chicago, Nevada. I like Nevada because they can just put it to you. But that, but the one thing you and I talked about last week is they have been so shaky throughout the year, and you saw it. You saw it encapsulated against Cincinnati. They were down big. They went on that huge run to win the game, and that could very well happen here. Loyola Chicago is able to spread the ball around. They're able to put up some shots. 
you know, one and a half point spread, I think is spot on. I do like Nevada to win it, but I think it's going to be close. Okay. It's going to be a very close game. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the point you made about Nevada looking shaky. And there's not only is there – so Loyola Chicago played until this year, had always been in Wichita State's conference, which is why we've never seen them. Because Wichita State was dominating, and they would always get the automatic bid. The Missouri Valley Conference. Yep. So all of a sudden, the Missouri Valley has a new leader, and it looks to be Loyola Chicago. And what, what, what impressed me about them is they don't look like – UMBC looked like a mid-major. They had little guys running around. And I loved that. I, lo- I mean, I was shooting so hard. And I actually thought if they could figure out any way to make a basket in the second half, they because Kansas State was basically like, beat us. Like, here we go. Beat us. They couldn't do it. I like Loyola Chicago in this game to move on. And I think it's going to be really tight. But how many times can Nevada go back to the bag of tricks and come back? Like, I just don't – I was blown away they beat Cincy. I really was because I thought Cincinnati, second-best defensive team in the nation, would put up a fight. What we're seeing early on is defense means nothing. Like, oh, yeah. like if you look across the board, like, who, like, why do you play defense? I do like Loyola Chicago to continue. I, I, I was, I've been very impressed. So we're going we're gonna to go different on that pick. Yeah, we're going to push there. Now, I don't think it matters, but I'll get to that in a second. So the next okay. game, 737 tip in L.A. So that's Georgia. In L.A., we've got – in the Sable Center, we've got Texas A&M, seven seed versus Michigan. Initial thoughts, it's a two-and-a-half-point favorite for Michigan, probably just because of the seed, to be honest with you. What are you thinking, Michigan Tech and the Aggies? Yeah, so I like I like Texas Tech or Texas A and M a lot in this game. Um, I have Michigan in the Final Four, so I almost have to stick to my original guns and picking them. But I think that Texas A and M can come out firing in this game and could get up to a big lead very quickly. Uh, we talked about it a lot before, but they can shoot the ball well. They obviously have done you know pretty well with it in the tournament. But to give everybody an idea. They're in terms of points per game, they're not up there in scoring, but they rebound the ball very well. I think they could match up with Michigan in you know very impressively that way. So they'll they'll keep it close. I'm gonna pick Michigan because again, I had them, you know, originally, but I would not sleep on this, you know, not going down as a uh, an all-timer, if you will. Right. Well, we we talked about Texas AM coming into the tournament being arguably one of the most talented teams in the nation. Yeah. Because because they they were playing more of a, as as a bunch of parts instead of their instead of a whole they've been very disciplined but I'm going to go back to the fact that I don't think Michigan has played up to nearly their potential to start this game to start to start this tournament excuse me so I know they beat I know they won on a buzzer beater I am going to say that Michigan be, beats Texas Texas A and M here because I think they they finally get to that level of play that we've been waiting to see from them and and I and I like their ability to spread the floor. Because if you can keep Williams out of the – so I, I think they're going to spread the floor, and that's how I think they're going to beat Texas A&M. And I think it's going to be an early an early jump for Michigan. They're going to okay. make threes to start the game, and they're going to frustrate Texas A&M to the point where they lose a little bit of discipline that's gotten them here. So I'm taking Michigan. I do think it's going to be tight down the stretch mm-hmm. because I think at this point it's, it's tough to have a blowout. So, But I'm going to take Michigan in this one. Yeah, uh, I like it. So I'm with you, but I'm with you. Texas A&M wins this. I think I actually think as much as I like a team we're going to talk about, I think these are the, one of these two teams is going to the Final Four. We'll see I what happens. Yeah, I don't hate that. Yeah, I, I do think UNC 
I think they deserve the two seed. I think they were a little overrated because of what happened last year because of their Roy Williams, Joel Berry, but I think they were a little overrated as a two seed. They made a great run in the ACC, but I think Texas – so I think Texas A&M's victory over them. I don't, I don't think it's as strong as, say, the victory over Cincinnati for a two seed, but I do think it was a big victory for them. So I like one of these two teams to come out of this, this, uh, this area here. No, I love it. I love it. So the next game – we're going to wait a little bit. 9.37 out in Phillips Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. So we're going to wait till the you know, Loyola Chicago ends. Mm-hmm. Kansas State versus Kentucky. Big Blue Nation. Six-point line for Kentucky right now. Nope. Which I would say is a pretty big line for a five versus a nine. But I also watched Kansas State play, and I don't think it's big enough. But – Thoughts on this one? I 1 million percent agree with you that it is not big enough. I think Kentucky is very clearly the better team here. I would argue, we talked about this before, of which you know which quadrant is the weakest. Kansas State's a big reason why the South is one of the weakest remaining. Um, you know, they didn't play very well against UMBC. They only beat them by seven. Uh, you know, say what you will about you know, how the retrievers did and everything. They also, we got to kind of look back a little bit. They played Kansas in the in the Big 12 tournament and got blown the fuck out. They don't shoot the ball very well. Um, they, they have a pretty good defense, but you know, I, I just don't like it that much here. I think Kentucky outclasses them on all accounts, whether it's scoring, defense, rebounding, passing, whatever you have it. I just think Kentucky's better in this. Right. I'm, I'm, I couldn't agree more with you there, and I think a lot of it comes down to their excellent young point guard for Kentucky. I'm going to tr- probably butcher his name, but it's 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 Shea Gilgis Alexander. Did I say that right? Is it Gilchrist Alexander? No, it, it's uh, G-I-L-G-E-O-U-S. Yeah. All right, uh, I'm not Gil- good at names either, Gil- so I'm not going to try. Gilgis Alexander. I'm probably yeah. butchering. I apologize to the young man. Ever, we've had a lot of time taken up about talking about Colin Sexton and Trey Young. Yeah. But this kid is the real deal. And he seems to play with a relative full, like he's very much a floor general in my mind. The concern for, for Kansas State is they force a lot of turnovers, which is what which was why they won their first two games. 23% of their of the possessions of the opponent, they force a turnover in the first two games of the tournament. But they've given up 22% turnovers on their end. Now their leading scorer, scorer, Dean Wade, 6'10 junior, is out. He was out for the first two games, unclear status in the second game. Okay. Might contribute to that. When you don't have your go-to guy, it contributes to that. I that's why I like Kentucky a lot. Mm-hmm. Because I like they have they have a point guard who can really slow the game down. He's an excellent point guard. He's played above his age level. He's still left in the tournament. The other two guys aren't. Now I know he's at Kentucky and not Alabama or Oklahoma. But I'm I'm with you. I, I really like Kentucky here. To me, they're if someone said pick a lock for the final four, no, no, for this for this week. Oh no! Oh, for this round, yeah, I'd pick uh, this as the lock. I would pick as lock. Yeah, only because Jim Beheim is the coach of Syracuse. If exactly. it wasn't for that, I would pick yeah. Duke. But this would probably be my lock. I I think you. I think Kentucky moves to the next round. Well, Very that so. and Syracuse. I mean, we'll we'll talk about them a little more in a second. They just. They've shown to step up to the challenge when they need to. Right. Kansas State almost backed their way through, you know, two games. They they played very well against Creighton, but 
you know, they just took advantage of a of a 16 seed, really. Mm-hmm. Which has never been done before yeah. in men's basketball. But yes, I agree. Yep. <laughs> um, and the last game here in this section, I, I think this is a fascinating game. It's a late one, though, 10 07. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm hoping I can stay up. It's Gonzaga, four seed versus number nine, Florida State. Gonzaga opens up, but it's a five and a half point favorite. Thoughts on Gonzaga, Florida State? Yeah. So pretty it's not straightforward that it's an absolute lock but i think gonzaga's gonna get this one done i think florida state has an opportunity to slow gonzaga down a little bit to start but i think the you know i think the bulldogs come out if it is close at halftime and just pour it on this on the knolls um florida state has a pretty good defense they shoot the ball pretty well but kind of like with Kentucky, I think Gonzaga can outclass them in scoring. They certainly can outclass them in size. And I, I would say they're, they might be a better passing team. The defense is, it might be up there. Um, but I, I just think Gonzaga does you know, get it done and, and moves on here. Yeah, I, I'm with you very much so here. I don't want to call it a lock because I was very impressed with Florida State's ability exactly. to pack the basket late against Xavier. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga did what I told you. The first game against UNC Greensboro, they they won on what was almost a buzzer beater. And normally you'd say, well, they're not that strong, but I, I like that from them. So the other thing about Gonzaga that I think can help them against Florida State is they're a deep team, and they're more versatile than last year. Last year they had um, Zach Collins was a, a lottery pick off the bench, the great center. They also had um, – Nigel Gross, but they've got a lot of guys who are like six eight, six nine that I, I think are very versatile scorers. Yep. So and their freshman, Zach Norvell, looks excellent so far. So I'm with you as well. Um I gotta say, I think I think Mark Few deserves a lot more credit than we give him because he's stuck around at Gonzaga and his staying power there, they are they're not a mid-major to me anymore. I know they're in, but to me they're they're like Wichita State. Like they they deserve a high seat every year because they just consistently reload and bring out they roll out new guys. Jonathan Williams is excellent. Josh Perkins. I, I think we need to talk more about how good Mark Few's been. And I'm not sure why a big program doesn't knock on his door and offer him way too mm-hmm. much money. No, that's an interesting point. I mean, one thing that, that popped into my head is the Wichita State moved this year. We mentioned that before. They moved into the Big East, which is an basketball only conference mm-hmm. so that kind of makes it a little more accessible um but one thing that pops into my head is that in other you know lesser college sports whether it be college hockey college lacrosse college football in the in the lower levels even or rather the fcs you know you do have schools that are in one conference as a you know one sport only and it makes me think because gonzaga's been in this position where they haven't been – they've basically been a lock to come out of the West Coast Conference every single year for, I want to say, 15 years where they basically – St. Mary's can you know, bite on their heels. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've been pretty much been the favorite, you know, at least an arm and a leg above, um, head and shoulders above. So my, my whole spiel being I wonder why with few staying and them – constantly being at this level why haven't they decided to be a basketball only member of the pac-12 right. or a different conference if you will well and i and i that's a that's a great point i think the yeah. one thing that they've really done though is if we look at their schedule 
they play they they go out of their way to play. So they actually started the season against Texas Southern, who was in the tournament this year. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, they played Ohio State, they played Florida, they played Texas, they played Creighton, they played Villanova, and they played Washington. So mm-hmm. they went out of their way to find now obviously you have to create a pedigree to be allowed into these kind of tournaments early on, but they went out of their way to schedule difficult teams to start. That was really the big negative to St. Mary's is that as good as St. Mary's was this year, they they didn't play anybody. Like they played Georgia and lost, but then they played like Washington State and Cal who did not have good seasons. Cal came on a little late, but other than Gonzaga. None of those teams did the tournament too. Right. St. Mary's didn't play anybody. I think the problem there is that if you're St. Mary's, they've kind of built that pedigree. So if you're going to put Gonzaga and St. Mary's, same conference. I know Gonzaga has had a little bit more success, but... Yeah, it's more sustained. I agree with that, but St. Mary's has been good for a, like, a long enough time that like Matt, uh, Del Vendova went there years ago. So yeah, that's they're, true. they're good enough where they need to start to schedule opponents. So Gonzaga goes out of their way to schedule difficult opponents so that they make sure that even if they w- even if Gonzaga hadn't won their conference, they probably still would have been in the tournament. Because because there's to me they're they're the Boise State of old of college basketball. So no, I don't agree with that. You're saying St. Mary's is? No, Gonzaga. Gonzaga is, yeah. Because well, I now, think they're more they're better obviously we're comparing the late two thousands of, of college football when Boise yeah. State was at their top when there wasn't a playoff. Right. Um, versus having the NCAA tournament. So even in years where Gonzaga basically to, to put it this way. If Gonzaga didn't win the West Coast Conference, they a bubble was burst. Right, they Whoever were ended up winning the West Coast Conference because right. Gonzaga was that much of a lock to get into the tournament. Right. Which to, you're to, absolutely right that Boise State's in that same that same uh, right echelon. And, and it's one of the reasons why I know, I know a lot of people had a problem with. Well, people were complaining that UCF didn't get an opportunity to win the national title this year in football. Yeah, but to me, UCF and St. Mary's match up better. So. Yeah. UCF didn't have the strength of schedule. If you're going to be a, a mid-major, you need to you need to schedule opponents. Even if you lose to them, you need to schedule opponents that are going to be difficult. Yeah. Now, football is a totally different sport, so I don't want to dive too. Yeah, because you can afford you can afford losses in basketball, right? But to me, Gonzaga went out of their way to schedule. I mean, they literally so, so that's they a really, really good played, point. In a row, they played OSU, Florida, Texas, three games in a row. They went two and one. They lost to Florida, one eleven to one hundred five, and they played uh, somebody I don't even know whose name they are. Then they played Creighton, Villanova, Washington. So three games, one gave off three games. They went and they lost to Villanova. So they went uh, four and two in those games. But that shows the committee that they 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 know they're in a small conference, so they schedule difficult out of conference games. And Unlike football, teams are willing to schedule games against good opponents. Like St. Mary's, if they went out of their way to schedule some difficult opponents, people would do that. So they need to work on that for next year. St. Mary's does. Because St. Mary's had a great year, 29-5, and but they didn't play anybody of value. And that's why they didn't make the tournament. Yeah. But now maybe it's because Mark Few's been there long enough. But to me, St. Mary's – and I'm going on a tangent about St. Mary's because I wanted them in the tournament. but. I don't think they deserved it as compared to what Gonzaga did with their schedule. No, I agree with you. That's an excellent point. And I think we're, we're taking a long time to, to kind of recognize Gonzaga. Cause we, 
gave Texas A&M and Michigan a lot of credit, but Gonzaga is certainly a worthy candidate. They came into the tournament ranked eighth uh, overall by the AP. So they, they certainly are a worthy candidate of a final four appearance. So, I mean, they're a good team. It should be a fun game or fun game against uh, against Florida State, but then that Elite Eight matchup is going to be pretty great as well. Right, and I, and I think my big point is to, to think of Gonzaga as anything other than a powerhouse college basketball team is is wrong. No. That's where oh. I'm going with this. I love it. Right. And you know what? If they – I'm going to root for Michigan and Nova because I'm a big Michigan fan and I'm a big Nova fan. But if Gonzaga faces anybody else but Nova, I'm going to root for Gonzaga. And they face for – but because they should have won on that buzzer beater. Remember that a couple years back? Yeah. Oh my God. So anyway, I don't want to harp too much on that. So we got to get to Friday's slate. But I just wanted to point out that that Mark Few deserves way more credit than he gets on a consistent basis. And that program is loaded every year. And it's not with great recruits because they didn't they didn't come in with with top level recruits. He coaches them up. They had no top seventy five freshmen enter the program this year. He just makes great basketball players, and I think he deserves credit. No, 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 I agree with you as well. But like you said, we do have another entire day's worth of Sweet 16 games to get right. to. I've had a, I've had an 8.5 percent uh, Imperial IPA tonight, so I'm I'm getting a little fired up. Yeah, well, well, let's uh let's plug your beer corner quickly. Uh, you wrote a little article. I've been beer well, to talk about. I'm going to give an apology right now on the pod. I've been yeah. very bad, and I have. And if there's one thing I should continue to do. It's the beer corner because I, I love trying new stuff. So I went out with my brother this weekend. We went over to a, a local spot. We found Neshaminy Creek. It's it's a, a local beer brewed in, uh, brewed in Croydon, Pennsylvania. And they have the shape of hops to come. It's an Imperial Indian Pale Ale. And I'll leave it at that. Check out the beer corner about it. I'm hoping to have one coming out at least bi-weekly, hopefully weekly. Whenever I try something new, I want to get it out there because I think there's a lot of great beers to try. That people should be looking for. You know why? Because a lot of times you walk into a bar and they give you this this draft list like fifty beers. You've never heard of any of them. Yeah. And you're like, well, what? Well, I'm just gonna get what I normally get. So we'll see what happens. But um, this was a fantastic beer, and it's worth the pickup as you go, as you leave winter and go into spring. This is a great finishing winter beer because we're gonna start to get into the Corona season. You know, easy to drink, light beers. This is a great one to finish the winter season on a try. I like it. I love that the beer corner's back. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to Friday. Bug me about it. All right. So we start off in the Midwest. We got, I'm going to say, no. No, I'll say the next game in the Midwest is the least exciting on the, of this side of the bracket. Okay. But Kansas, we have Kansas and Clemson at 707. This one coming from Omaha, Nebraska, the Midwest region regional final uh clemson comes into this one against kansas i have them as a four and a half point dog um you know i think they can play kansas tough but what do you think were you surprised 30 point victory over the over the four seed yeah and i didn't think kansas blew seton hall out of the water at all i was surprised by that line yeah, I guess maybe because you like looking at some of their losses. They have lost to Syracuse. They have they lost to Duke at home. Um, you know, so maybe they're kind of just looking at the rest of the you know the rest of the field and kind of just seeing Kim. You know, comparing the you know those those results against a Kansas team. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, right. if I knew that, I'd uh, 
you know, be a Vegas odds maker, but you know, so, maybe that's a thought. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't know. And there, look, you can't disrespect Bill Self in Kansas because no. they've they've been an amazing program for for they basically just win the big win the Big Twelve every year. Yeah. Um, but I thought, and I'm gonna up to so the problem with Kansas is that their depth in the front court is minimal, and he's been injured. So uh, Aduka Azubuki. Aduka Azubuki is their center. And this guy mm-hmm. is a he's a physical specimen. I watched him. I mean, he is he's he's big. If he can stay out of foul trouble and stay healthy, they're they're as talented as any team in the nation. But the problem is he's either not healthy or he's 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 out of he's in foul trouble. So Seton Hall threw Angel Delgado at him, who had like 24 points and 22 rebounds or something stupid like that. Um, if he can, so, and he, so he was a little tired, but if, if you, if you can get him into foul trouble, you're going to beat Kansas because Devonte Graham is, I know he's been a good player, but I'm not sure he's that good compared to what they've had in recent years. So, okay. so to me, I like Clemson here. Um, they're very athletic. They're a very athletic team. Um, they've been playing very, very well. And I, and they 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 hammered Auburn. I was very very impressed. And they're uh, they're very good defensively, and they can score. So I, I'm taking I'm taking Clemson here in the upset. No, I'm going to take them as well. I agree with you there that Kansas is beatable, and I think that uh, Clemson. You know they look strong. They look very good against Auburn. I think their defense is very is solid enough that they can kind of disrupt the Jayhawks and their rhythm a little bit. And just enough to get by them, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Clemson as well. I think they uh, they put it all together. Yeah, and I, I think I'm not. And like I said, I think the hard part is everyone goes back and say how people were misseeded. I don't think Kansas was misseeded. I think they deserved the one seed. Oh, for sure. That being said, this is their time to lose. Um, so I, I'm with <laughs> you. I, I like Clemson here, and Clemson's kind of a surprise because their coach was kind of on the hot seat to start this year, yeah. and all of a sudden he's not. So. Not a bad run for him here. No. I mean, have you seen that? Just a quick aside, since we're in the, the same region, uh, that everybody's everybody's blowing up Tom Izzo and saying that he's uh, on the smoldering hot seat, the that lava is, seat. That is like the worst hot take of all right? time. Right? How crazy is that shit? Because if you think t- he should be fired, then you have no idea. Like, he is one of the best coaches, <laughs> arguably, of all time. Because that program, like... That program was not good before Izzo. Yeah. Like, so that that is like the worst hot take I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> the best, though, just quick with them, is that you and I got very excited about the potential Izzo-Coach K matchup. Everybody got excited about the potential Kentucky-Arizona matchup. We basically all just cursed these potential matchups and, and caused upsets to happen. You know, I mean, the, we're big juju guys here at the Thunderbug, right. if you're unaware. And we... we we really were fucking with the juju gods coming into the tournament and they struck back. No, I'm with you. People were just picking like everyone had, everyone had Michigan state. Even Virginia was kind of a hot pick. North Carolina was a big time pick. Um, Arizona and, and a lot of these teams have just gotten beat up pretty badly. Yeah. It's really funny. There's a girl in my office who's in our pool who picked no upsets. So really? she's actually tied for first place right now. <laughs> but she's fucked for the rest of the tournament because she had all four one seeds. Right. Two of them are gone. I think she had 
it was Virginia Villanova. So she lost one of her finals teams. That's not good. But it's one of those things that like you, you basically call into question of like people like us who do a podcast, you know, anybody else that watches college basketball throughout the year, you think, you know, the upsets this way, that way, the other way. And coming out of the first weekend, basically somebody that goes the index fund route of <laughs> picking their bracket, uh, you know, keeps pace and outperforms, but it go, but that's why, uh, you know, keeping your final four teams intact, especially through the first weekend is, uh, a big key and you only having two left not feeling so hot about winning any cash. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. The next game to me is I'm going to be sweating this game. This might be the best game. I know definitely of the Friday games. I think I, I'm with you there mostly yeah. because the next the game we'll talk about after this, I, I think is going to be, is going to be a strange game. I, I think this, this was along with Michigan, Texas A&M, but I think this one definitely because you got two coaching legends. You've got a very, you got two teams that I think, I mean, I can honestly see West Virginia winning the title, but you got number one Nova versus number five West Virginia. Yep. Seven twenty-seven tip. Nova's five and a half point favorite. And and I and you know I love Nova and I'm taking them here, but man, I'm so nervous. I might take West Virginia plus five and a half, but so still pick Nova to win, like on the money line. Yikes. I mean, this is going to be a really good game. Both teams can shoot the shit out of the ball. Yep. Um, West Virginia is a very good defensive team, and they're very good at getting rebounds. Uh, so I think I think that helps keep this one close. I mean, they, they can stop you. They can block the ball. They can steal it from you. Right. I mean, their defense is probably can potentially put Nova – you know, at a couple stalled out stretches there. No, uh, I think that you might see a couple scoring droughts. It keeps it close, but I am going to pick the Wildcats here. Yeah, I'm, I'm still taking Nova. I mean, I think the big thing is they've got three to four ball handlers, right? So Brunson, Booth, DiVincenzo can handle the ball, even Bridges to an extent. Having that 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 senior leadership because Javon Carter, who I love, yep. is going to put is going to try to put on a show. So if you can beat their press, if you can beat their excellent defense. And I think Nova has the guards to do it, which is why I think NCA is a guard-driven league. I think they can cause some problems for West Virginia. So I like, I like them. And the five mm-hmm. and a half point line is kind of a sucker line because yeah. you can easily see this being like a four-point game late, and then like a couple fouls moving it to six kind of yeah. thing. Um, I like Nova, but I think in terms of everyone loved their everyone loved their bracket side, but then when I look down at it, I'm like, wait a second, one five three two. Like wait a second. They don't have any. They don't have any anybody. They don't have any elevens or double digit seeds. Like this is a tough game for them, but I think they win it, and I think it's a good thing for them to continue to to grind. Yeah, that close that close win. I agree. Right. Uh, it's always you know you have a couple of those. It's you know different kinds of wins that you need to check off. One is the close grinder, or a you know buzzer beater. One's a big blowout of a team you mu- you shouldn't have blown out. I think this. I think you're right. This is the the close sweater that you have yeah. to win uh, on your road to the title. Right. And I, but I would say, I mean, the Nova has a team to blow anybody out at any moment. And I think that's the one positive. Yeah. Because their, their ability to shoot the ball. I was more than impressed with what they did against Alabama because I actually thought they I mean, to, to put it into perspective, they shoot over 50% on the year. That's, that's, that's so absurd. Cute. West Virginia is right. 43, nearly 44%. So that's not too bad either, but yeah, 50%. No, Fifty percent. It's pretty wild. It's pretty uh, nuts. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I. Right. But go 
Go Nova. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all nova up right now. Between them and Michigan, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. All right. So we move on to uh, the biggest difference of seeding. The two-seed Duke out of the Midwest taking on Syracuse. 9.37 approximate start time on Friday night. Matt, break this one down for me. So we talked about Syracuse at length, and we even talked about Duke, I think, pretty much. I, I just think this is the game where Syracuse gets exposed. There are a reason they were 23-13, and 13, and nothing against um, Arizona State or TCU or even Michigan State. But Coach K is in a league of his own, and I know Tom Izzo was – they just played Tom Izzo. I think Duke is locked in. Mm-hmm. My only concern is they haven't had a tough game. I think this is I don't I think I would take Syracuse on the money line, 11 and a half point favorite for Duke, but I'm taking Duke in the game and there's too much talent and they've kind of gelled a little bit. They're to me my favorite out of this. I I would I would actually put money if all the teams left. Duke would be my team to make it to the final four. If I had to pick one team, guaranteed money line, Duke would be that team. Because right. I I'm not I don't love – I know we talked about Clemson and Kansas. I don't think either of them are, 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 are next level. I don't think Syracuse is. So I think Duke, if I had to put money on one game, it would be Duke. No, Once I would agree with you. I'm going to pick Duke yeah. to, to just edit you. You pick – you might pick Syracuse on the spread. The money line, oh, granted, you get some value. I, I, I screwed that up. You're right. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Just wanted to clarify for everybody. Um, although they're plus 600, if you really think the Orange are going to win, you know, it's not – not bad. Uh, some bad value. Duke minus nine hundred. That means you got to bet nine hundred to win a hundred. Um, right. Yikes! But I think that's a little rude to Syracuse. But a little bit. But if you bet a hundred bucks, you win six hundred for Syracuse to win. So right. not, not bad. Not too bad there. <laughs> six to one. Yeah. Uh, but oh, no, no, I agree with you. I think I think Duke. We've talked about them at length, so I'll keep it quick. I think they can score pretty well. They are also a very accurate team. They're at 496 percent where they're shooting. Um, I think they had a nice couple wins down the stretch. They had a uh, you know that loss to UNC in the ACC tournament. They had you know two solid wins. Nothing really too close or you know any really. To qualify as a blowout, both were, you know, I guess, I guess I own it's 22 points, but the two over 15, you know, not everybody can be uh, from a certain sleepy little town in Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's Duke picks it. They're 90% of, of, uh, or 90%, 80, yeah, 90% according to uh, ESPN's BPI, the basketball power index. Uh, I thought at first that was the people picking it on ESPN. That's why I got tripped up. But yeah, I mean, Marvin Bagley Jr. I think has a day. He uh-huh. can he can rebound the shit out of the ball. He can shoot the shoot the lights out. I, I just think it's a yeah. it's a slam dunk. There's there's two things I want to bring up about this game. One, and you just brought up Mar- Marvin Bagley now. Now, Michigan State. Uh, this is this is an incredible number. Michigan State against Syracuse pulled down. 56% of its misses were offensive rebounds. Holy shit. Yeah. So the 2-3 zone doesn't necessarily lend itself to great offensive rebounding. And if you're going to play against Marvin Bagley, you better be ready for that. So I think that's a huge deal in this game. And they basically wanted Michigan State to win that game, and they just Michigan State just couldn't make a three-point shot. It was incredible. 
The other thing I would say is that Syracuse is one of the few teams that runs a true zone that they run all the time. A lot of teams mix it up. Not a lot of teams actually run defensive zones as much as you think in college basketball. Mm-hmm. There is one exception this year that you would know, and that's Duke. Duke changed his scheme to a, a zone defense this year because they were struggling man-to-man. To me, that, shoot, that shouts, okay, so Duke, not only are they running a zone defense, they're practicing against said zone defense. Ooh. So they have some experience to how to beat a zone because there's a reason that, that the NBA doesn't use a lot of zone. There's a reason that the zone, if the 2-3 zone was the end-all, be-all, everybody would use it, but they don't. Now, part of that's personnel, but part of that's also because there are clear weaknesses to the zone, such as defensive rebounding. So I like Duke because of that, and I like them to win. I think it'll be under 11.5 points, but I still like them in this game. Interesting. I like that a lot. 56% of your misses, you got offensive rebounds on and you lost the game? I don't even understand how that's a how that's how that's a statistic that's like stupid bad if you're saying that is yeah holy (laughs) so i pretty pretty wild stat there i i thought i pointed that i looked that up i was like wow that's incredible no i like it a lot i like it a lot we're we're agreed we both have duke playing clemson in the uh the next round excellent we finish up with i just clicked on the wrong one texas tech playing purdue Matt, while I load this one back up because I clicked on Villanova again, break this one down for me. So I think I think the big thing is Purdue didn't really get tested with the loss of a loss of Isaac Haas in the last game. So I um I think that Texas Tech is going to give them everything they've got, and I've been a pretty high on Texas Tech since the start of the tournament for one of the main reasons because they lost um uh, because they had some injuries in the in the tournament that I think actually brought them down two or three. This was like a top 10 team all year. So as much as I think Purdue before Haas's injury, Purdue had like a very traditional team. They had a a rugged point guard. They had an excellent two guard in Ed Carson Edwards, an excellent three in Vincent Edwards. They've got a very, they've got a very talented and deep bench. I do think his injury, I do think Haas's injury is going to very much so negatively affect this team. And I like Texas Tech's length and the return of uh, Keenan Evans to this game. So I'm going to take Texas Tech. If if Isaac Haas was healthy, I would take I would take them here. I'm not a big Purdue guy, but I would take them. By the way, Matt Harms is a seven three center off the bench for them, but I I don't think they're the same squad. So I'm taking Texas Tech. I love them, and I'm very nervous against with Villanova to face them because of their their length and their defense and their ability to score. So I, they're a good team, and I, I could easily see them in the Final Four. No, I agree with you. I uh, and The Matt Harms point, I'm glad you brought him up. He played very well against Butler uh, in that spot start, which it looks like it's probably going to continue. Uh, and I, I don't know if he necessarily does it for two games in a row. I think Texas Tech statistically matches up to Purdue pretty well. Uh, I think their defense might be slightly a bit better uh offensively it could be it could potentially be a little spotty but i do like texas tech here i also pick them um they do come in as a one and a half point dog but basically even on the money line which you know tells tells you it might be a hot pick straight up mm-hmm. but um you know it's it's gonna be it should be a fun game to watch i, I should say yeah. that we we i, I really think loaded so. up on the the nova game so i think we uh under 
undersold this one a little bit. This this could if 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 Harms can play at all, this could be a fascinating basketball game. Yeah. I I I couldn't agree more there, um, because he he did average. He, well, he didn't average a ton of minutes because of Haas, but but he's got the size and ability. So if he steps up here, it's 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 going to be a tough game either way. If he steps up, I would want to bet on this game because I just can't figure Purdue out. Yeah, um, the stay away game. Yeah, they they've got a ton of talent on that team. So wow. I, I think regardless, Dakota Mathias, by the way, for Purdue, I want to give a shout out to a guy that when you see him, I don't see basketball player, but. When you watch him run around the floor, he's a top. He's a top defender and a top three. He's like a top defender, and he doesn't make any sense. So, I, I keep going back and forth because I keep trying to find reasons for Purdue to lose. And I love Texas Tech, but man, I wouldn't want to pick this game. What's no. the line? Line is is Purdue minus one and a half. Now that makes sense. That's yeah. <laughs> I would pick straight up. Yeah, straight up. Right. It's as close as you can get to a straight up game. Okay, excellent. Well, half a point is half but, a point. Okay, yeah. So it looks like we where where did we differ? We differed with. So we differed with you pick Kansas or Clemson? I forget. I picked Clemson. Okay, we, so we no, we don't differ at all on Friday. On on yeah. Friday on Thursday we differ with. I think the only Loyola. game we differ is Loyola and Nevada. Yep, that's the only game. We have one game yeah. difference. Now, okay. you were pretty high on Texas A&M, but I'll give you credit for sticking with our boys. Yeah. So I won't give you too hard of a time. But if, if Michigan loses, you're going to hear an earful. No, yeah, I, I absolutely would, and I, I, I would deserve it. Um, but quickly, let's pick our final four since we you know, will – we won't have an opportunity to talk to break it down beforehand. I right. still, th- I think we're probably going to be pretty similar. I'm going to go Kentucky, Villanova, Michigan, and I'm going to go with Duke. But I, I wouldn't be surprised seeing Cle- if that Clemson team plays well yeah. against Duke. It's really tough for me. I'm I'm with you with Michigan, Duke, and Nova. I want to take Loyola, Chicago. Yeah, I, and, I really do. And and God, I'm so I'm so torn. The only team I know that won't come out of there to me is Kansas State. Because um, no. even if they somehow manage to get by Kansas Nevada State, could put it together. I know. And Nevada, like, I picked Loyola, but I could see Nevada running it. But I'm, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to take Kentucky to, yeah. to, to run through it. And I, I, So we're going to have the same Final Four. I think it's going to be Michigan-Nova still. I think Michigan figures it out. Um, but if it's not Michigan, I, I think I'm with – like, I'm with you. Texas A&M could easily slip in there. Um, um, uh, Clemson could easily slip in there. So there's there's just a lot of good teams left. I think your analysis of saying the winner of the Michigan-Texas A&M game goes to the Final Four is is pretty spot on. I'd love to see Gonzaga pull it off. Me too. It's, it's just fun seeing them do it. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see them finally get into the Final Four last year and to see them do it two years in a row, especially after all those misses. Um, it's like at this point, uh, and it'll help us transition to the next topic quickly, but like Alexander Ovechkin, if the flyers are out, you almost want to see him get through it. Cause usually they're playing the penguins, but also he hasn't done it. So you don't want to hear you know, one of the best scores in hockey history, not, not be up there in the, uh, you know, late in the season. Right. Well, I mean, Hey, you should just come over to the flyers and it'd be great. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean. Well, you gotta well, gotta be smart with the cap, right? Let's let's touch briefly here on um, on the Flyers. Yep. I I everyone was giving them a hard time when they got a little cold there last week. The way I saw it was though them getting cold at that time was better than any other time because they they win two games over the weekend, including a very impressive. Well, they they really came back in both. They came back in the first game, but the second game they beat they beat a really good team in the Washington Capitals, the best team in the Metropolitan. 
they're getting hot at the right time now. This is like teams are going to go hot and cold, hot and cold. That's how 82 game seasons work. Unless you're Golden State or unless you're apparently the Nashville Predators, like, you know, it's going to happen. So I am very um, happy with how this is laid out. Okay. And I love the wins over the weekend, gritty wins, and you're still seeing production from the, the young people. Connect me. Um, who had his first goal? Um, um, Oscar Lindblom. Yep, Lindblom had his first goal of the weekend. So, like, those are really big things to me that stand out. We've got what one, two, three, four, nine five, games six, left. Seven, eight, nine games left. Okay, we need like eleven points. So we've got to go like five and fives, like or a couple overtime wins. We go to Detroit. We go to New York. You'd like to see yourself coming out as as two and zero from those games into a mm-hmm. huge game at Pittsburgh on the twenty fifth of March. Yes, this Sunday. This Sunday, that that is. That's the kind of game where we'd like a little revenge. I'd like to see us win there. Then you go at Dallas, at Colorado. I think those are winnable games. And then you go at versus Boston April 1st. is probably our most difficult game in terms of pure record left, although I think Pittsburgh is more difficult. Then you go Islanders, Carolina, Rangers. So, like, theoretically, we should be able to win two of the last three games. If you're fighting for a playoff spot, you've got to get there. I was pretty impressed, though, with the performance. I think the team's... Now the the goalie situation though is I mean I'll give I'll ask your thoughts but the goalie situation is terrifying. No, it absolutely is. Uh, so one of the things that I did want to point out, you talked about how every team gets hot and cold. The Flyers almost seem to emphasize the <laughs> complete ends of the hot and cold spectrum. I need to actually add this up, but I they either win they've won five games in a row multiple times. They've lost five games in a row multiple times. They lost 10 games in a row back in November and December. The goalie situation has been up and down all year. Unlike the, a team like Vegas, who's played four different goalies as have the flyers. The flyers have had a uh, shaky, shaky run at it. You get Peter Morazic, who's been good at times. He's been, very, very cold at times. Right. See Thursday night against Columbus God. where he got yanked and Alex Lyon in basically two periods of play, you know, kept them in it. The Flyers almost came back. Uh, but then you have Morazic play incredibly well against one of the best offensive teams in the NHL, the, cap- the in the Washington Capitals yesterday afternoon. Alex Lyon can step up when needed and he has really since Brian Elliott got hurt, but he's definitely not the guy to rely on. I would not, not to be punny, I would not put Alex Lyon over Morazic on the depth chart. What'll be interesting is if, if and when Elliot comes back, if and when Neuverth comes back, how do they run this team in terms of the goalie situation and who do they carry into the playoffs? Assuming that you, you know, you play basically above 500 hockey and I think you're in it at 42 and you know, call it 42 and 40, uh, break down the overtime losses any which way you, you want to. I think you're right, though. What would you say, 11 points locks it up? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, so Detroit and the Rangers, you just, you hope are wins. You did go to, to the, the new Little Caesars Arena a little while ago uh, and, pull, and pulled out a W there. That was back at the end of January when uh, they, you know, before – when uh, Brian Elliott was still her pre-Morazic. Um, 
So you you hope that they play well there. The Rangers, that is at home. The first time the Rangers come here this year, uh, they basically just completely sold out. So, I mean, you'd, you'd hope that's a win. Um, I do think that three-game road stretch, really the four games from Pittsburgh to Boston, but those probably are the make or break. You're 0-3 against the Penguins, so you'd like to not get season swept going into right now your playoff opponent. And it's on the road. Big big time there. Dallas is winnable, but they're they're still pretty good. They're they're making a run at the playoffs. Same with Colorado. So those aren't ones that you want to sleep on. And then you're right. Boston is is probably your toughest opponent down the stretch. Well, here's the only concern I have in terms yeah. of physically missing the playoffs. There's one. So right now, there's one team that can do that, and that's the Panthers. The Panthers could take over a spot. Now, Flyers are at 85 points. Columbus Blue Jackets 83, Devils 82, yep. Panthers 77. But the big issue to the paint with the Panthers, though, is that they have 13 games remaining. Exactly. So now a lot of these that there's gonna have they're gonna have a big road trip in there. And they're gonna end the game against some tough teams, Nashville, Boston, and Boston to end the season. Actually, they play Boston three times in those 13 games, twice on the road. They also play Nashville, they play Toronto, they play Columbus. They also have some cupcakes. So they're a concern. Now, the positive is there's still two teams in between you. So even if they win out or something like crazy like that, you still have you still have to be just you have to be ahead of three teams basically at this point. Um, so I like that part. We're also, you know, plus three in goal differential, but we, we were three, six, and one on our last ten. We just we just need to go like six and three, I think, and I think we'll be fine. Yeah. Even even five two and two, like you got to have a couple overtime losses or something. Yeah. I mean, obviously no points is better than, than nothing or one points better than no points. Um, I mean, it's worth mentioning too, that with just to kind of add on to the, the Bruins point, they signed their, one of their coveted juniors who played for uh team USA in the Olympics, Ryan Donato coming out of Harvard. Uh, he, scored in his NHL debut. So, I mean, the, the Bruins are, they're rolling in the right direction as is Tampa who already locked up their spot in the playoffs. Uh, that's a really good point. The Florida, the Florida would really have to make something, something happen, but having four games in hand to the flyers when you're eight points uh, out is, you know, it, it helps, but it, does. it would need, it would take a lot for, for everything to, to fall apart, but yeah, Nothing, you know, nothing until it's a until it's a guarantee. And I guess. Other, and the other positive is that Columbus and um, uh, the Devils have ten games left, so one more than us, but not that many. And and the Devils, I mean, the Columbus finishes up with Pittsburgh and Nashville, which is a yeah. tough back end stretch. They also play Florida and Boston in there, so they could easily be out. And so, so I just when I look at that, I say, okay, you know what? I don't think it's necessarily going to be a because there's teams in between us, and that makes it a lot better for us. Um, yeah. New Jersey goes to to Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. They play Pittsburgh again. They end the season against Toronto and at Washington, which I think is very difficult. So, no. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be very difficult for three, all three of those teams to jump us. I think. That's no, I agree. Difficult. I agree. It'd be. I mean, I'd almost rather play the Capitals, given how they've played. They're three and one against them this year, um, and I've been at two of them, and they've scored a grand total of fourteen goals. Uh, at the Wells Fargo Center, so they at least have that there, where they have not looked so good against the Penguins at home, right? But 
you know, there's there's definitely a uh, it's going to be a fun run to the end. They the Flyers have four road games and or four home games and five road games. So it'll be fun. Uh, obviously, keep an eye out on our social media for when we're at those games. I'll be there Thursday night. Uh, quick note on the West. It's basically the same thing that we talked about the last time time we were talking about hockey a couple weeks ago. You couldn't sell a, a playoff position to a Western Conference team <laughs> if it was you know soaked in gold. Yeah, like the Flames are up to 80 points, but I think they're out of it even at 80. To me, the Blues and the Stars are like, what do we have to do? Um, the Kings been hot enough. I wouldn't want to play the Kings with Jonathan Quick back, by the way, if I was Nashville or Vegas. I, I think that's going to be a dangerous game. Um, it's so tight, man. Oh, my God. I wouldn't want to be over there right now. Anaheim, Avalanche, Kings, Stars, Blues, all within three points of each other. I mean, and if you're the Sharks or the Wild and you have a little bit of a slip-up, you might drop down too. So that's – I don't envy any of those guys. Well, what's nuts too is that it looks like that the – it looks like that unless the Kings or the Ducks mess up, you're going to get four and four from each division. That's nice. So it really is. If you really – if you fall just ever so slightly, I think San Jose's got it locked up. But, but you could – really see one division shift power, you know, get the shift of power and get those extra, that extra wildcard team on the other. Right. And in that case, you might get some type of run like you did with the predators almost did it a couple years ago. Last year, obviously they put the Blackhawks and went through their own division, but a couple of years ago, they went through the Pacific and, and nearly got out into the Western conference finals. Uh-huh. Um, they just lost to San Jose in their run to the, to the, uh, the cup, but you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, both all of those teams in the Pacific loaded up a little bit at the deadline, so they, you know, they they could be uh, there could be a serious threat. Great call though on the Kings. I mean, they're a team that have quietly been around in that wild card discussion, but if they put something together just down the stretch, they could jump up into the two seed. I don't think they're going to catch Vegas for the one, but they could draw Nashville, and it turns into a series of overtime games. Yeah, no, I agree. It, yeah. it, it, it's whoever comes out of the West is going to be battle battle weary. Yeah, but I think that's going to do it for us. You have anything else from uh, from this weekend? Did you watch the golf at all, or did you, were you all college basketball? Oh, I did watch a little bit of the golf. I thought Tiger. Yeah. I thought he showed that he he's still involved. Rory, that's a huge to me. It's actually a bigger for Rory than it was Tiger to show that he can kind of still do it. So, um, yeah. big fan of uh, what Rory did this week, and I think it sets him up well. But what's I it obviously in? love what Rory did. Tiger showed that he can get back in anything, and the short game is back. So I think very nerve-wracking across the board, if you ask me. No, he looked great. He made a charge. I mean, really, after kind of almost playing himself out of it on Friday, shooting even when everybody else was really far into the red, and he finishes you know, only a few strokes off, I thought it was unfortunate to not see Henrik play you know, well in the weekend, uh, Bryson DeChambeau sh- showed a lot. I'm not the biggest DeChambeau fan, but you no, know, he was right there. And he, if Rory doesn't make that, that putt, that's oh, so similar to tiger from, I think it was 10 years ago on the 18th hole to get a two stroke lead. I think DeChambeau might not, you know, it, it's, he didn't crumble because he, he still, I think finished even down the stretch, but I think you might've seen, you know, a, you might have seen him have a little more umph in his step coming down the stretch, or, uh, down the 18th hole, but Rory sinking that, I think it was a 10%. They showed it on the golf channel uh, to make that putt. I think that was the uh, the bane breaking the bat, if you will. 
No, I'm with you there. I'm with yeah. you there. But excited for the I mean golf's just gonna turn up. It's gonna get it's gonna get wild. So we're two weeks from the Masters. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. the Houston Open this weekend. Baseball starts next week. That's right. And you're gonna hear from us. Well, you've been doing a little bit on it, but we're yeah, gonna have Greg some baseball for you. Kind of want to ruin it. Yeah. There's more baseball coming up from you soon here, though. Yeah, Greg and I have done, if you haven't listened to our first two division previews, we did the AL East and then the NL West. Go uh, search just a little bit down the feed. You'll find it. I think the NL West is actually the most the most recent episode before this, so not too far. you got to scroll. Matt and I and maybe Greg, I still have to talk to him. Um, he should be around, but we're going to come back on Wednesday. We're still hammering out which divisions we're going to do, so nothing official yet. But keep an eye out on our social media to find out what it is. Definitely, definitely. And oh. looking forward to continued golf fantasy coming up. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, we, uh, you know, this guy had a nice little win uh, and now is in the uh, top 10 in the golf fantasy. Whatever. Yeah, it was pretty nice. And I, I won a little bit of a uh, little bit of money on the uh, the regular, yeah, yeah, regular yeah. DraftKings yeah, as yeah. well. But oh, yeah, yeah, that'll that'll be fun to talk about because I'm starting to get into that groove $200 if I win the Masters. Or if you win the Masters, really, if anybody wins the Masters, but it's going to be me. Whatever, you're the worst. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Matt, thank you as always. No problem. All right, well, we will uh, We will see you Wednesday night, Thursday, if you download this and listen to it on the podcast feed. But, of course, look us up and subscribe on iTunes, the bullpen cart. Uh, give us a uh, – Five-star rating. We'll give you a shout-out, or at least we'll try to. Uh, follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, ThunderBlogSports.com. Of course, the website where you can find all of our great blogs. ThunderBlog Sports on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, that's going to do it for my man, Matty D. I am the G-Man. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks again.